Wait, wait. So Jerry Seinfeld is going to be Batman. Does that make Wayne Knight the Joker in this scenario? <laughs> or is Kramer? No, Kramer's the Penguin. Kramer's the Penguin. <laughs> I like how we looked at Wayne Knight's build and we're like... <laughs> can't be the pay has to be the joker <laughs> i don't like to typecast people based on how they look i'm open to different interpretations of the character i'm Mandre. not and welcome to remedial <laughs> lit for those of you just joining us i'm spencer with me here today is fletcher and madre and we are going to take you on the lovely journey down the interpretation of jonathan mayberry's titular work Patient Zero, book number one of the Joe Ledger series. So, for those of you who are wondering how this is going to exactly play out, we're going to give you a brief overview of the book, and then I, the only one here who actually read the novel, will converse about it with my associates, who are perhaps a bit more literary challenged than the common man, but no less eager to learn about the amazing piece of writing that we are going to bring to you today i'm always eager to learn and it sounds like you have a really really great book for us today well actually i uh, i don't but <laughs> i do have a lot of setups that hopefully you guys can get some good riffs into and that's the important part here we're here to have some fun so just diving right into it uh we have patient zero like i said by jonathan mayberry he did the v wars series which got a brief sci-fi series spinoff uh he did some tie-in novels to some better known stuff like the x files uh the deadlands book you can check out his uh author webpage and i'm actually glad that i did because right next to patient zero is the printout for the entirety of chapter one i kind of briefed you guys earlier the uh one that says uh now, when you have to kill the same terrorist twice in one week, you either have something wrong with your skills or something wrong with your world. And there's nothing wrong with my skills. And that is the entirety of chapter one, by the way, folks. So feel free to quote that, take wait, it. Wait, wait, wait. How, how many words is that? I didn't get a word count, but I'm guessing not a lot just from uh, saying it in about 10 seconds. <laughs> 137 chapters <laughs> makes sense. And I'm glad that he chose that chapter to highlight this novel because it perfectly encapsulates everything about Joe Ledger's character. Uh, if you've ever done any Tom Clancy stuff, like uh, he did, like that Jack Ryan show with Jim from The Office, or uh, he also had like uh, The Hunt for Red October, I believe is one of his. He has all these, like, these manly military men characters that... I don't really feel are the best, but they're generally pretty fun. Um, how are you guys on military fiction? Uh, never read any of it. Uh, usually there's an EMP. Usually there's some terrorists. <laughs> oh, so we're already getting into the super science route. Well, I'm glad that Moderate brought up the dangers of terrorists and super science because, a little spoiler for you, that's going to be a lot of the second half the first half wait what's in the first half then uh that's mostly him just kind of clowning on fbi agents and laughing about killing people you know, real hero <laughs> stuff to set the mood yeah really toting ak's can only carry you through about 50 chapters and <laughs> and of the 130 chapters in this book we want a solid 40 to at least establish that our wacky hero in addition to being a major patriot is also a bit of a jokester you know have some fun with it so wait, if chapter one is anything to go off what for, for the first like 40 chapters is it just him like in one word sentences being like i'm the best nobody can beat me end chapter well we're gonna get into that don't want to spoil the surprise so 
again, I wanted to uh, highlight the fact that this book swaps between first person and third person semi-omniscient about every other page. Now, Joe Ledger, we get his first person perspective and then it jumps out so we can follow around other characters because the main bad guy plot is entirely detached from what Joe Ledger does. At no point does Joe Ledger ever interact with the actual main villains. He, he, has, he has a brief what? interaction at the very end with one, and the, other than that, the two storylines are entirely separate and do not run into each other, except like the bad guy talking about how he's being foiled and then doing nothing about it. What is the bad guy's name? Sebastian Galt, because he is just the uh, main character from Atlas Shrugged, but <laughs> as Lex Luthor. It's him, and then he's got his... They, and I, I'm only saying this because the book specifically pointed it out. His bisexual assistant assassin named Toys. Not Mr. Toys. And I, think there, I think he actually does mention his real name once, but I just immediately glanced over it and didn't bother to remember. <laughs> now, as a James Bond aficionado, Madre, uh, Toys. At, so far, he's very British, very butlery. Where does he rank on the James Bond villain scale? I mean, pretty high. He's got his own named henchman with its own specific killing skills. Oh, and uh, he also has a secret base built over a pool of magma. So that's one or two points more. Classic. Can't go wrong with that. And the only reason I could tell kind of what was happening is because at the beginning of every 130 chapters, the date, time, and location gets spammed at you over and over again, which on the audiobook, you're kind of listening along, you're doing your jog, and then every freaking 10 minutes it just says baltimore maryland 2255 it's like one of those action movies where like every five minutes it's like a new location yeah and i don't get it because if they just told it sequentially you could at least follow what was happening <laughs> and he tried to get cute and clever with it and has like all these time jumps because what the villain's doing takes place like days and weeks before what the hero's doing and like they meet up kind of at the end except not really so wait, do you have to have like a journal to read this book then to keep everything straight? No, no, not a journal. What you need is a AI assistant that can draw you a timeline and then you can highlight important events. I think Google's working on something, but uh, so far it's not fully developed. Ooh, well, good thing you brought up AI. I have this one program called Skynet. I think it could really help us. Yeah, you'll need Deep Blue to navigate this. Well, hopefully it just doesn't turn racist like all the other Google AIs. <laughs> If it does, we're going to have some problems because there's a little bit of that already in the text. Mm. Okay, so we start off with our hero. He's getting picked up by the FBI. He's ch First, he's chilling on the beach in his Hawaiian shirt and Bob Dylan t-shirt. So already I despise this man. Uh, he's ogling what he refers to as the sun bunnies. And uh, he's off of work, apparently, for a warehouse shooting. So the FBI agents, they come up to him and immediately his first words are like, what's this about? Badge me or buzz off as he's sipping his beer and watching a bunch of girls run around on the beach. The Baltimore Wait. beach, by the way, the Wait, Baltimore, Baltimore beach. <laughs> oh, that doesn't sound right. Madre analysis. Uh, it's not ranked among the better beaches. I would say, no, I'm going to give it a solid five just because the people from Baltimore, I feel could be very scary from what I've seen on the wire, and I don't want to make them too angry right now. Yeah, d does does he ever say how like pretty the girls are? Uh, he does, but not until later in an inner monologue, and I want to save <laughs> that little kernel. He is, however, commenting right now about how much of a 
better martial artist he is than all the FBI agents. Because when they post up to him, he just is immediately thinking about ways he can disarm them and beat them up. Because that's the first thing you think of when you meet someone, I guess, is a sane, rational person who's already off work for committing workplace violence. The thing that you really want to keep, I guess, when you're not bashing skulls is... I want to keep my warrior edge. I don't want to become soft in my two weeks vacation on the beach. So he keeps his warrior's edge by running through mental like gymnastics to think about how he could beat the shit out of people. Yeah, yeah, because he's like he's like sitting in the cab with them as they're driving him to the like interrogation site or something, and he's just like, man, this guy's gun's so easy to grab right now. I could probably grab that, disarm him, karate chop him in the neck, pull his car around, pull off the road, defeat his, like his other two goons. So he's already talking about like defeating three. FBI agents in hand-to-hand combat and like as much as I do not like really care about the FBI I feel like disarming three of them is a uh, kind of a task especially when you're already buckled into a car and uh, When they just fall unconscious, I assume because you're so dangerous. What happens to their foot you think? Because <laughs> my guess is that it stays on the gas and I don't know how well you can suplex a car crash I don't know if that's exactly the martial arts fight you want to set up mm, Spencer It seems like you're kind of being a pussy all gas no brakes. That's what I say So that's the model you live by your credo Well great. I, I guess you're really gonna be rooting for mr. Ledger here in a second <laughs> then Because he's then brought in by the FBI and he's saying stuff like oh, you know that warehouse thing was righteous I wasn't gonna let anyone say differently <laughs> So, uh, coming off as a pretty level headed guy. And here is where he gives us his background. He did like a, a couple years in the army, and for some reason, he knows like five languages. And he was brought in as part of like an anti terrorist task force. The Baltimore PD was working with Homeland Security, which, you know, honestly, I kind of, I kind of almost buy. Up until the point where Homeland Security then says, yeah, you guys can also do the actual rating part. We didn't just need you for information oh. gathering. <laughs> what? Baltimore have a big terrorist problem. A lot of big terrorism in Baltimore. Well, you know, I, I guess that... Well, not because Mr. Ledger's... Terrorism there. is getting franchised these days. They want to make sure that everyone's getting the proper amount of experience. So, yeah, come on, come aboard. And he's talking about, like, also, he like, apparently was never even, like, deployed. So he's not... I, I want to highlight the fact he's not, like, a combat veteran. I think he was, like, in the Ranger Regiment or something, which I know guys personally who have done that stuff. But without a combat deployment... All it is is garrison life. His military experience, experience, I guess, boils down to mopping floors and sweeping up, which I don't know if you're necessarily the most hardcore international crime fighter at that point. I mean, you definitely might have some skills, but I'm not going to put you, you know, as my, like, number one. Maybe You can be the number six guy. Spencer's already discrediting him. Think about the mental gymnastics he went through. Mark. Yeah, I'm already. Yeah. Sh- I'm when shitting he, on America's heroes. I'm when really he ran through the yeah. simulations in his head with all the terrorists he killed, he counted that as combat experience. Oh no, he gets combat experience in this next scene, the warehouse flashback, because that's when he uh, goes full equilibrium. And he Tom, who is it in that movie? It's uh, is that Tom Cruise in Equilibrium? No, it's not Tom Cruise in Equilibrium. Like no emotion. <laughs> Oh, you're right. Tay Diggs, the hero of that film. Is that no. the one about like the gun fu equilibrium? Yeah, yeah. It's it's the one where uh, he like for God's sakes, it's Christian Bale. Yeah, he's got the two guns and he's like sh- shooting. Matthew McConaughey. He's shooting everyone as he dances through the room. Well, that's basically what happens here, and that's the only th- scene I could think <laughs> of was the scene at the end of Equilibrium where Christian Bale shoots like a hundred armed guards because it's like him and like four other cops like kicking the door to this big warehouse, and there's all these terrorists, and the author. 
Jonathan Mayberry is going Mayberry. through the effort of giving all of them like named really weird guns. Like they, yeah, like one guy has like the name like QBZ Chinese assault rifle, and another guy's what? Yeah, like it's like all this weird stuff. Wait, wait so these are Baltimore cops, right? That are that are like kicking in the yeah. Door. And apparently, these internationally funded terrorists didn't have like a a ring camera or any kind of like security, <laughs> or even like just what? a dude standing outside to like watch for cops, which. Would it, well, they were watching for cops, but they weren't watching for him. They were watching out for Mr. Ledger busting down that door. So he sh- he kicks in the door, starts shooting everybody, and he shoots one guy, and he just like gets back up, and like he's like making the comment like, "Oh, it's kind of weird that this dude took two bullets to the chest and is still walking around. Must be drugs." Oh, and uh, for so, anyone, so Kevlar is improbable. It would jump straight <laughs> to drugs. Oh wait, was that not the implication that he wasn't wearing? Oh, yeah. They're, they're, I'm sorry. They're, the implication there was that he was just in a T-shirt and got shot twice in the chest. And then he turns around and starts, like, shambling away. So Mr. Ledger shoots him some more in the back. Uh, and he make, also makes <laughs> Wait, the point... Wait, isn't that illegal? He also makes the point to, to mention that this terrorist, quote-unquote terrorist, is unarmed. So I think he just broke a whole lot of laws there. Uh, fortunately, his, his lieutenant is there. He assures him, it'll be a routine investigation. This kind of thing is normal for Baltimore, I guess. Ooh. So, a brief recount. He gets brought in on this. He, he starts off by telling how dangerous he is to the FBI and then recounting how he shot a man in the back. An unarmed man, yes. <laughs> and he's uh, like, but he was a terrorist. He was a terrorist. He was a terrorist. Yeah, I mean, he, look at his buddies he's hanging out with. It's, you know, it's kind of like that scene in Men in Black where Will Smith shoots all the dangerous-looking aliens. Sometimes you just gotta light them up. Gotta look out for number one. So wait, after he lit up the, like, the terrorist, what did he do? Did he just, like... Oh, he did nothing, because after he killed a bunch of people, some unnamed men in black fatigues come in and just say they're taking over, and he's like, okay, I guess it's not my problem anymore. I did the hard part. Don't worry. <laughs> you boys keep it clean. So that was the flashback, and that's the first in a weird series of time dilation events, because then we jump back to where he was kidnapped by the FBI, and he's being interrogated by this, I don't even know how to describe him, he is he is like if a saltine was a man, Mr. <laughs> Church. Uh, he does this interrogation, and he's uh, he opens up with like, yeah, so I'm from this super duper secret squirrel operations called the Department of Military Science. I'm not part of those lame brain FBI agents. They were pretty lame, right? And Joe and Joe Ledger's, of course, like, yeah, yeah, I could have beat them all by myself. I was very unimpressed. I am thinking about joining the FBI, though, as a teacher. <laughs> What's he gonna teach them? How to shoot unarmed men in the back? A valuable lesson the FBI should take to heart. <laughs> and then, like, so this whole next scene is like this new character, Mr. Church, who becomes important later on. He is kind of just like talking about how great Joe Ledger is. He's uh, going over his, like, military record. He's talking about how, oh, like, I see also you were recommended throughout your military career as a great leader and your impeccable record. You were top of the academy. Which academy? Never recommended to get deployed, though. I want to thank the academy for this award. Uh, you know, he didn't get the Academy Award, um, but he did get three people through who would have otherwise failed, which is why he was only number three in the police academy instead of number one, because he spent so much time helping other people. 
Because he's that's the kind of person he is. He did seem like an altruist when he was fantasizing about, <laughs> about killing those people or about uh, maiming the hey, FBI he, agents. He has he has other fantasies, like the one he thinks about uh, when he's like zoning out as Mister Church is like giving him this big spiel about this secret black ops. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he starts yeah. thinking about the girl beach girls in bikinis, and the quote is, "I think the count was twenty two, and of those, at least eighteen had a legal and moral right to oh. wear them." <laughs> so there's a number description discrepancy there that i also would like to highlight and i don't have a whole lot of comments on it he he opted out of figurative filleting for the thought of regular filleting <laughs> well you know when you're as important as he is i guess you just got to make do with your own imagination when reality doesn't measure up oh yeah and then we get into a super sad backstory of how his mom died of cancer and his girlfriend committed suicide because as middle schooler, she was viciously gang raped, and he was beaten into a coma in front of her. Oh, dude, that's a no. Oh yeah. Also, his dad's the police commissioner. So of like all the vi- all the victims to target, I actually feel kind of bad for the uh, the criminals in this case because I feel like based on Mister Ledger's previous actions in the warehouse, it's not going to end too well for them. But uh, he does talk about like the. Uh, fact that he's had dissociative episodes before Who? before he became a soldier and a police detective wait uh, how did he get led on to like the the like the only thing i can then? think about is he just lied about it because <laughs> i don't think you pass any kind of psyche eval if you mention the fact that yeah there are long periods where i just kind of black out and i have no memory of where i've been or what i've done not well, exactly well, normally we have to teach that that's great <laughs> can you use that <laughs> Oh, I mean, I guess maybe for Baltimore PD, it's more of a plus than a minus. <laughs> I thought that was just pre-programmed for all Baltimore PD. But uh, he talks, like, long and drawn out about, like, ethos of the warrior and how he never saw death on the battlefield. But seeing his mom died of cancer, you know, cancer's kind of a battle, so it's kind of the same. He's, like, he's also kind of a warrior, you know. He <laughs> In before chapter 120, where he fights cancer by shooting it in the back. <laughs> so he's, uh, he's going through this whole thing and he's like yeah the fbi is actually pretty lame and mr church uh asks him well how would you like to join our organization it's all new and then kind of like as an epic prank he uh tells him to go in to a room with a handcuffed zombie and uh, he doesn't really he doesn't tell him that the zombie is a zombie at this point he what? just he just says it's a terrorist he's like go on man <laughs> do it dude come on <laughs> zombie Ma- madre do you see that room over there with the with the handcuffed dude who's foaming at the mouth why don't you go in there well fortunately it's the same dude from the warehouse that he previously shot in the back so he recognizes hmm, maybe something is amiss with this and he does this while he's still waxing poetic about life and the warrior soul and what it means to have death on the battlefield and uh then he fi- he takes the handcuff zombie and uh, he snaps its neck wait that kills it yeah, apparently that kills it, or at least it separates its nervous system enough that it can't do anything else. Like, the handcuff zombie, like, breaks free of its handcuffs, and it's messing with him, and it, it poses, like, no threat. Because apparently he actually is a martial artist capable of defeating three men, and I don't know if that makes me more mad or less does mad. Does it ever specify what martial arts he knows, or does he just know it? Or does he just know martial arts? That's, I think it's like karate or something. <laughs> oh, okay. So he just like took, he just like went to the mall and it's just like, what martial arts you got? Yeah, like, yeah, like, you know, the kid from the karate kid who just shouts, put him in a body bag. I imagine he's, th- he's this kid, but finally grown up and he kept the same amount of restraint yeah, for I, fighting people. I'm still a green belt, but I mean, a lot of the fundamentals are still there. 
Yeah, Madre actually is a uh, white belt in Taekwondo, but he did take the introductory class with the rest of the 11-year-olds, and I feel like he'd be a perfect fit for this organization. Those plastic boards are tough. Wait, plastic? Well, they're not going to start you with wood. That's insane. What so, about sheet metal? Uh, oh, yeah, after he snaps a zombie's neck, he just accepts that zombies are real. I mean, I was forced to just now in your description, so I imagine. Well, I'm glad that you're just as accepting. See, Taekwondo skills and an open mind. You're ready for this. Uh, he like They go into this big, boring description on how these terrorists take control pills hidden inside aspirin. Otherwise, there's like a timed release, and they just die and become zombies. And Joe's like, so am I the first guy you talked to? And he, Mr. Trier's like, no, no, no. There were, there were other applicants, but they were inadequate implying to me that uh, behind some door here, there is a lot of dead... My pile of dead operatives. Wait, so do the zombies ever, like, eat people? Are they, like, traditional zombies? Yeah, like, so they are, they act like traditional zombies, but they get into a really boring explanation on what exactly they are. It's some kind of, like, prion new synthesis disease. Actually, it's the next scene where they explain that, Fletcher, so I'm glad Uh, glad that you're getting that along perfectly here. We We are... Finally, to the bad guys, which arguably are way more fun. Wait, I thought the bad guys were the terrorists. Well, I mean, if... Oh, yeah, we're going to follow the terrorists here for a second. Oh! If Kuru is supposed to be a superpower, I guess they are going to be pretty cool. We have Sebastian Galt, Toys, who I previously described as James Bond, uh, villain and his henchman. And then we also have... Okay, so in the audiobook... He pronounces her name for a full 16 hours as Amira, which I can only think of as a mummy. I believe it's Amira. Amira, Amira. But I also don't speak any kind of Middle Eastern language, so maybe I'm wrong. Oh, and then there's uh, El Mujahid, and they refer to him only as El Mujahid. Wait, like the Mujahideen? Yeah, I guess it's a title he got, and they only referred, they always refer to him as El Mujahid, the full title every time. Like they never just call him like Jack or whatever his real <laughs> name is. I, I, I assume he has Jack? a, I assume he has a normal name. Was he like Middle Eastern though? Or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they briefly describe his backstory, but it basically just boils down to he was a terrorist, and now he's a big terrorist. Now that's what I call swag. We get into the super secret science base, which is built in a hole in a cave in the desert. Uh, and inside this cave, it turns into like a futuristic science fiction lab where they describe all sorts of high technology that you couldn't get in like level five hospitals. Uh, they start talking about how they have all kinds of specialists from around the world that have been kidnapped and blackmailed into working for them. They talk about how they have all of these resources and no one has ever noticed, uh, which is where they're developing the zombie virus, actually. Shouldn't the FBI be on this? Or you think someone, be, uh, but they, they, they cover it up because Sebastian Galt apparently is like the owner of some Bill Gates-esque foundation that only does good work. And then he's like talking about how uh, he actually was the one who set up all the, these horrible diseases that he could then cure to get the good press for curing them. And Wait, he parlayed he's Umbrella? That. Actually, yeah, that's that's a pretty good way to think about it. I didn't make the connection, but yeah, he's basically if Umbrella was just a person. <laughs> what? And then we cut away from them. That's all we get from them for now. Because we're back to 
Joe Ledger, and he's hanging out with his psychologist at the gym. So <laughs> a very rich man <laughs> from the sound of it. So he, uh, he goes to meet his psychologist slash buddy Rudy, uh, and he's just working out at the gym. And this is like right after he just leaves the interrogation with Mr. Church, and uh, he's like, this isn't safe here. We need to leave. They, they drive out into the woods, and once they're in the woods, away from the, you know, the changing rooms at the gym, he's like, I need to strip down and check for bugs. So two just completely normal friends drive out to the woods, and one of them starts to get naked and look for <laughs> microscopic bugs hidden in his clothes, and uh, he doesn't find anything. Ooh, I remember this scene from American Psycho. There's kind of a whole scene where it's just like, man, this is kind of weird, Joe. Are you sure you're doing okay? He's like, yeah, I'm just working possibly for a government black site here in Baltimore, so things get a little sketchy. As my psychologist, the uh, guy that knows I have temporary blackouts and uh, possibly disassociate while killing people, I just thought you'd like to know. But luckily, I befriended him so he wouldn't put me on psychiatric hold. (laughs) Hey, I think we know how he got on the force now. Uh, So then it cuts to Mr. Church, and he's with this dumb bitch. Her name's Major Grace Cortland, and... You can tell immediately she's the love interest of the book. I'm not even going to like try to pretend because up until now, it has only been dudes and it's been like just a 40 bunch of, pages. Well, a bunch of bros you getting did say, naked. You did say Mr. Toys was bi. Oh, yeah. Don't. Well, I'm sorry. There, there was one more female. The terrorist leader, uh, the person that developed all of the dangerous zombie virus. I suppose she was there. But, but was she hot? Actually, yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, maybe I'm jumping to conclusions. <laughs> But they're talking like, you know, Joe Ledger, he's so great. He showed no hesitation in killing. Perfect quality in a cop. I think he'd do really great as a team leader. (laughs) How can he show hesitation? The man blacks out. (laughs) (laughs) I guess all you really need is a gun and the desire. And the body takes care of the rest. And then from that conversation, we jump again. Are you kind of picking up the theme here? Uh, Because we're back in the base in the cave in the Middle East. Wait, so, so we're back to, like, the uh, Sebastian Gall now? Yeah, yeah, and he's talking about how uh, he has all these bleeding-edge computers and technology. And uh, he was talking about how they, he met these terrorists at an anti-coalition rally hosted by our old friend Saddam. And he's talking about... Uh, yeah, because... Uh, Saddam. Yeah, the Saddam. Big Saddam. Because apparently John Gull, you know, Bill Gates-level billionaire, he also helped personally plan 9-11. What? Like, was in the room with uh, Osama bin Laden throwing over the well, plans. Well, we were workshopping 9-11 together. It was mostly his idea, but it was a group effort. I, I don't mean, want to take do too much credit. Who do you think funded 9-11? So he's Lex Luthering it with uh, his moles inside of the DMS, the Department of Military Science. And uh, there's this super fucking weird sex scene that just shows up between him and the wife of the terrorist. And it turns out like they're having an affair or something. But it was described in the text by the author as sloppy and painful. <laughs> How do you make that painful? What were they doing? Oh, man. That's the Last of Us 2 stage direction for the Abbey thing. Just lifted. It is... I'm not going to go too far into it, but it's like a full page long, and I immediately had to like skip over it because it was disturbing to think about. I, I appreciate so, for he went out of his way to make sure it wasn't scintillating at all. Question, right? You say that this book not only jumps from perspectives, but also during time. So is this happening right after we cut away from Sebastian Gall the first time, or is this like weeks later or weeks before? At this point, I could not tell you. I'm not even going to lie. It, I'm assuming that it happens after... Okay. And that part of the storyline, because 
this is in the future, but he's reminiscing about the past when he's talking about, like... Yes. Okay. So, so what okay. is the point of date and timing the chapters if we're not going to be in that date <laughs> and time? I suppose so, if you really cared about following the story closely, it'd be possible. Did he accidentally send in a screenplay? Is this, like, the stage <laughs> direction that leaked in? Or he's like, look left... Time Perfect. and date. Did, did nobody like edit this? Was this like rough draft one or some shit? It was actually it was very competently written, which is what's annoying. I know for a fact he has the capability, but the editor, I guess, was asleep at the wheel <laughs> and just chose not to cut any parts down. Because then we get this long, boring scene of Joe Ledger at his computer typing in prion disease. And, and googling basically how to make Wait. real zombie zombie real. And I'm, I'm using like my Google search techniques here, where, where it would be zombie real question mark how to make. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sebastian's it's key like logger. Quotations. Oh no, it's not. It's not Sebastian's key logger. Instead, it actually is a secret micro camera that the DMS has, and it cuts. To, it cuts to Grace Cortland spying on him, like in her darkened lab. Which I guess she has nothing better to do at night, and she's just like reminiscing and thinking about how beautiful he looks and how awesome he is. Did like, we just have a sex scene? That's well. It cuts out again from Grace to, <laughs> to Mr. Church, who has apparently planted cameras in her lab and is spying on her. <laughs> What? Everything each side does is so well known to each other, yet everybody's still so secretive. So wait, does this mean that Mr. Church let let Ledger get bugged so he could see what they were doing when they bugged him? No, no, he has no idea. He just suspects that he's bugged. What? So we had him strip naked to search for bugs just to not find any, just to be bugged. Yeah, I guess he's kind of incompetent in that regard. That's like the one thing he actually fails in in this whole book is he just can't find the bugs, which as far as like basic skills go, I feel like that would have been the easiest thing to do. Well, wait, you specifically said that these are like nano bugs, right? That they're like there's extremely some, small? There's some super duper secret technology. He's hanging out with his cat, getting spied on is the whole premise <laughs> of this chapter. His cat Cobbler, by the way. And then he's listening to the radio, which has, later on, it ties back into like the grand overarching plot, and you don't catch it until like... Well, naturally. They, they always show the news when it's, it's going, like it's relevant to what's Right, happening. right. Well... We get a bit more background info dump on Ledger, and you know, like they're going through his records, like, oh, his company commander called him a hero, and his basic training uh, commander said he was really good, which, as someone who's gone through basic training, I've got to say, this is never going to happen. These commanders get there basically just to do their time so they can promote up, and they deal with all these snot-nosed punks every, like, 12 weeks cycling through. They are not going to take the time to notice anyone they are too busy being blitzed out of their mind on tennessee whiskey <laughs> and probably smoking their fucking lives away they do not care about some kid who's really good at push-ups so wait basic training commander that'd be like for academic achievements it was like his fourth grade teacher thought he had a real good gumption like it's basic training yeah i was about to say how do you distinguish yourself in basic training like he really ran that obstacle course <laughs> oh man no one has shown up and done the bare minimum as well as you <laughs> And then we get back to the bunker with more gross sex scenes and yes, half so. of this book has been smut and it. Is this I was one, promised is this one zombies. Also sloppy? I promise you the zombies are coming. The zombies are coming because here after the gross sex scene we get Galt being scared of the new zombies that Amira has created. <laughs> that, that is exactly how the uh, audiobook narrator pronounces her name the whole time, which is why I thought. 
like she was some kind of mummy person the first time through. And she's like, oh, yeah, we've created a whole new generation of zombies. And she's going on a rant about wiping away the world and the coming death of the global order and all of the uh, death the Americans will soon fall into in the Western world. And, you know, Galt's laughing off. He says, but we can't actually use this disease, right? We're just, u- we're just using this for money, right? Hmm. Oh, yikes. And here's, the, here's the, like, the twist is, oh, the terrorists actually want to be terrorists. And the businessman just wants to make money. And then, like, it cuts away to, like, the soldiers using the plague to turn a whole village into zombies and watching how fast it kills people. And Amira's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're not going to. You know what? I got ahead of myself. And she, like, winking at the camera the entire time this is going on. Every time she's on screen, she is just winking at the camera <laughs> and being evil. So, wait, like, is, is Amira the one that planted the bug? Or is that a different scientist? That, no, no. That's, this, is, this is the opposite side of the world, Fletcher. You see, I'm describing it to you, and you're still having trouble keeping track of everything. Also, this is weeks earlier, as he's mentioned. Oh, wait, what? Yeah, perhaps your big brain is not quite suited to the intricacies of this delicate story. So, wait, this is flashing back to when Ami Ra was talking to... The, talking so, to you know what, church? buddy? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to recommend to you what I did at the end. Turn your brain off. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> see, oh, okay. So, Everybody has perfect surveillance of everybody else, except for Joe Ledger, who's the only one who succeeds. So, despite having perfect information, everybody but Joe fails to be able to do anything. Yeah, was that not clear? Well, anyway, Joe finally gets recruited. Uh, Wait, was he not recruited earlier? No, no, he was being—he was talked about being recruited, but he oh, wasn't okay. actually recruited. He was talking shop. You know, yeah, it feels like they wouldn't let him leave unless he gave a definite answer. <laughs> oh, no, at this point they don't let him leave because they kidnap his uh, psychologist, Rudy, who's also his friend. And they said <laughs> that they said that he'll, they'll kidnap everyone else if he doesn't join. And he's like, okay, I guess I'm going to join. I mean, I was going to join anyway. but And then he walks into a room with two more rangers, a MARSOC agent, a Navy SEAL, a Delta team member, and they're all arguing about who should be in charge. Is this a knock-knock the- joke? <laughs> They're all specifically, like, American special forces. There's no, like... Yes, this is an American operation, except for Grace Cortland, who is former British special operations on loan. What? Yeah, uh, and so Ledger walks in and immediately assaults all of them with kung fu, ball <laughs> kicks, eye gouges, fish <laughs> hooks. Uh, Why? Because yeah. oh, uh, he wants to be in charge. And uh, they're ar- they've been arguing for an hour about who can be in charge, so he just walks in and assaults all of these highly trained special force operatives. Which branch was Joe in again? Oh, he was an, ar- he was an army ranger. Never deployed. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, no, that explains so the army So what you're saying ranger, is yeah. that if I want to gain Madre's trust, I have to shoot him in the foot? Well, there is some pushback, because one of the guys is kind of, you know, mad after he gets immediately kicked in the nuts and, <laughs> like, thrown to the ground, and he says that he's going to get him back, and Ledger just says, no, you won't, and then throat <laughs> punches him. What? And after this, Joe Ledger is made team leader. No, after, he's not. After reducing well, the th- think about <laughs> count it, Fletch, by one. It's either let him be team leader or endure more groin <laughs> kicks, more throat punches. It's easier just to yeah, do I'm what he says. Yeah, I'm now. Here you go, buddy. You're in charge, man. What do you even get by being in charge? Do you get to plan the operation? I guess. It's, it's also very unclear. I guess he just wants to be in charge. But here we begin the start of the hotel saga. So here's uh, Sebastian Galt, and he's chilling in the Baghdad hotel, uh, date raping a woman very casually. What? Uh, and what? He's hanging out with. Look, we've already toys. established he's a villain. You don't need to do this. You don't need to go through with this. Well, he does, and then that's it. That's the scene. He's just hanging out in a hotel, date raping a woman. Uh, Thirty chapters. 
And we then we cut to El Mujahid, who finally gets his day in the sun. So him and his guys, they dress up like British soldiers, and then they horribly disfigure themselves. And it's not like makeup. They actually just take shards of metal and scrape off their faces and arms. And I think one guy, like, loses an arm or something. Because they're all uh, getting ready to get smuggled onto a medical ship owned by Gulp. And they have to do this in disguise, apparently. Which, you know, they're, like, well-known terrorists, whatever. I'm willing to buy this. So... It was a false flag, but it's not a false flag because the terrorist is actually using his company, but they're... Yeah, they just have access to like a burnt out British military truck or something. I forget exactly what it's called, but uh, they just like have access to it. And then they like, they lie down next to it and like someone makes a fake radio call and then they just come and pick them up. They also have entirely fake identities. As advised earlier, I'm trying not to keep track of the time anymore, but it's just bugging me. So, is this, like, taking place currently now? No, this is still in the past. What? So, with that complex disguise, wouldn't it just be easier to get enlisted into, like, have people on the inside? This is the first of many disguises he goes through. Don't worry about that yet. Uh, But here, we're back at Ledger. And uh, this is when they introduce the concept of the supercomputer mind reader, which becomes, like, the MacGuffin throughout several of these books, apparently. Uh, And they talk about, you know, the old team, where they were. uh, They all got killed at a hospital by the zombies. An entire team just wiped out, which kind of sucks or something. Uh, And then uh, it's first day on the job. He's been there an hour. They're going on a raid. of A raid? Oh, yeah, a raid of a terrorist plant. Oh. Yeah, they, they apparently they knew where the they terrorists were, and they just went, I guess this is like the dry run. Uh, the terrorists are turning kids into zombies. So Joe Ledger gives them all a rousing speech about how he's here for them and they're going to work as a unit. But after Not kicking them in the nuts. <laughs> Not an hour ago, he was kicking them in the nuts and trying to like assert that he was the leader. Well, unlike you guys, I guess they can get over some stuff. Okay. Yeah, it's just how guys greet each other. Just a couple bros. <laughs> just a couple of dudes punching each other in the nutsack. So they go in, and then they uh, waste a bunch of kids who turn into zombies, which I guess is like the justification for why they needed someone who is willing to shoot children in the face. Yeah, mentally, I've already run through this this scenario many times. Not even a, not even a problem. His gun wasn't even secure. I mean, it wasn't. <laughs> in his mind, he was running through how he could disarm the, the zombie kid. And they get some evidence or something. Uh Next, we have three consec- the start of three consecutive scenes of Sebastian Galt in either a bathroom or a bathtub. And he's laughing to himself like, oh, they'll never figure out my plan. They need some kind of mythical tech like, oh, say, that mind reader myth or something to figure out my master plan. And he's like sitting in a golden tub drinking bourbon, just laughing to himself at how smart his master plan is. You know, I know you were joking about it earlier about this guy being like a Bond villain, but... Madre, this guy really is like a Bond villain, right? I, I can't get over the fact that he's not—he's not—he's past lampshading it. He's beating us with the lampshade. <laughs> and now we get to this guy called Doctor Who, H U, by the way, because he's Asian. Uh, Doctor, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's actually a better description of this dude. So he's, he shows up with like a Hawaiian shirt on underneath his lab coat. <laughs> And he's got a bunch of Funko Pops on his desk and like zombie comics lying around. Oh, okay. So which, he, he's like the he's like the coroner character in every well, you th- procedural. I thought that's where they were going with this, but no, because Ledger hates him from minute one and calls oh. everything he said everything he does is in poor taste. And they start describing the scientifics of the zombie virus, like the proteins called fibrins and high molecular weight 
glycoproteins called fibronectins, binding together to form a plug, which allows quick healing and rapid response to any kind of blunt force trauma, yada, boring fake zombie science that we're all very familiar with. Anyone who's seen any kind of modern zombie film knows exactly where they're going with this. But they, the important part here is that they talk about Room 12, which is where they're storing a bunch of zombies for like later epic pranks, like the one they played on Joe earlier. Later on that night, well, they all break free. Fortunately, Joe Ledger is there to save the day because uh, a bunch of people don't know what's going on. Some guard gets bit, and then Doctor Who is like freaking out. He's like, I don't want to get near the guy that just got infected. This infection rate is 100%. I'm going to get infected. We're all going to like get killed unless we separate him and joe ledger says no you're a doctor you need to do what you can for this man <laughs> not a medical doctor hippocratic oath hippocratic oath hippocratic oath uh no i'm a no that's not my field <laughs> and they realize that there's like a signal blocker that got used to black out the cameras uh huh? of, of which only five exist in the world that mr church uh also knows about the creation of and this is where they realize there's a mole inside the DMS. Ooh, I'm calling spooky. it now. Madre, who do you think it is? I think it's Church. Yeah, so far we have, uh, we have uh, his team, Joe Ledger. We have the old black sergeant who immediately follows orders no matter what. Uh, we have the big, dumb, hick guy who's like six foot six. His name is Bunny. Uh, we have the chipper new recruit. Skip. Uh, Oh, it's Skip. It's Skip. It's Skip. Nah, nah, don't jump to conclusions, because we also have Edgy Ollie Scarface, a man who apparently has no past and has been known to do black ops work. Yeah, but that's just like like Diet Joe. Well, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? I guess you can all just hold your accusations until the end, because now we're going on the crab plant raid. Wait, we're going on another raid. How long is this after the other raid they just did? One day. (laughs) <laughs> boy these terrorists are easy to find uh, they just yeah. know where they are so they go in there do the terrorists have a mole <laughs> they are a hemorrhaging places <laughs> and uh they they like have a prisoner and they find out his family's being held for like compliance and then they go in for the raid and they find immediately ollie and skip both go missing like five seconds in this operation Sims, who's like the old black sergeant, reveals that, yeah, that Ollie fella, he admitted he was a CIA operative during our leadership discussions. What? Yeah, spooky, huh? Who knows who the yeah, we And we know we hate the CIA. And then zombies immediately swarm them during the raid. No so problem. Did, did not, just... not, not an issue at all. They just kill them all immediately with headshots. Uh, and then they find Ollie, who's been tied up and is being tortured by a bunch of guys. And then they just immediately kill those guys and free him, and there's no lasting damage. So how many people have they murdered? Like, it, it seems like I, they just... I want to say they're up to, like, 30-ish at this point. They, it just doesn't sound like they care about murdering people. They're just, like, ganking dudes left and right. I fail to see why we should care about terrorists, Fletcher. Well, well, or even give them rights, such as a trial. Or, like, even if you're not going to, like, follow rights or whatever, why don't they just take them and try to, like, interrogate them? Uh, we did. That's how we found out about the crab plant, Fletcher. Are you not paying attention? Or do I need to explain what? the timeline again? Where are we in the timeline? Don't Madre worry about it. We're, in the, we're at the crab plant. That's all you need to know. Because right now... <laughs> there is no timeline. There is now. And there's what's happening. <laughs> we have a big explosion that goes off. And all of Grace's team, because she also has a team, they all get killed. Because she's not a very good leader. Which one's Grace again? The, uh, the, the ex-British the love ex-British. interest. The oh, ex-British. Okay. Imagine her saying her name, Grace Cortland. 
Just like that, every time she's on screen. In case you forgot, she's from the fucking island or something. <laughs> okay. Well, a big explosion goes off, and it, like, blasts free hundreds of walkers, which is what they're calling the zombies, and they're all chasing her, like, <sighs> remaining four people to Ledger's group. She's just following, like, the sound of gunfire and screaming children, I guess. Uh, they get there, and then they immediately just point guns at each other until, fortunately, Ledger takes charge and forces them all to realize he's in command. And then they team up and they kill all the uh, zombies, no problem. The only issue what? during all this is that somebody almost shoots Ledger in the back of the head by accident. Ooh. Totally skipped. Totally skipped. Yeah, because they're like, they're, like they're like, we're running out of bullets. And then it just kind of ends and there's no like payoff for that. Oh, what? And immediately we ran after, out of enemies before we ran out of bullets. Immediately after they kill all the zombies, the backup arrives and says that they're here to help. So, do these zombies go down like regular zombies? Where, like, yeah, you shoot them in the head, they're done. Can you shoot them in like the heart and that'll kill them, or does it have to be the head? Has to be the head. Has to be the head. Or I assume the neck. So, does Doctor Who know this and he's just like passed it along, or do they just figure this out? Well, you see, Joe and all of his equally, you know, competent friends uh, all practice the Mozambique drill. Every single time, anyway. So they actually discovered this on accident. <laughs> oh yeah, they're just running through blasting dudes, and uh, like there's only one point where like Ollie, old Scarface, has like a suppressed 22 assassination gun. He's just like running through, double tapping zombies in the head, like a full run. <laughs> like these are not humans that we're dealing with here. These are something else. These are America's warriors. So we finally get to the debrief, and then Church. He's in a call. He says, yes, Mr. President, but with all due respect, this conversation is wasting my time. Hangs up on that oh, loser. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. President, lame. Not a dub. I didn't vote for you. And then they have a prisoner. Not my president. And Mr. Church is like, you know, I'll kill your family if you don't cooperate with us. And Ledger, he just can't take this kind of psychological torture. It's just too much for his fragile heart. This isn't a way a warrior would act. They would never threaten a prisoner, and he has to walk away. Uh, and then he goes to interview Skip and Ollie and immediately threatens them. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, is he about a blackout? Uh, no, actually, he just says he disassociates. Uh, there's like weird part. Whenever he's like in a fight in the book, he talks about how the warrior takes over and how he has three personalities. The warrior, the cop, and something else I didn't care enough to remember about. The politician. My inner child is also a trained killer. <laughs> Your inner child was beaten into a coma. I'm not too scared of that personality. Well, my best friend, the therapist, said I'm perfectly fine for duty. Isn't this like kind of a conflict of interest, you think? Hmm, you would think that, loser. Implying I have any interest whatsoever. So they have this prisoner, and uh, amazingly he talks when Mr. Church just says, yeah, like, I'll kill you and then I'll kill your family. Apparently that does work. Sure. Uh, and... Then he starts dying, because uh, the antidote that they gave him from the previous capture apparently is a different kind of antidote. So there's different kinds of control poison that these terrorists are running in the most elaborate shell game of all time. And uh, the last words he whispers before he dies is, Lester Bellmaker. And then, you know, Doctor Who is there also there. He's like, well, it doesn't ring a bell, does it? They turned it into a comedy. Well... It becomes funny in the next segment when Ledger immediately responds to him, you're a half step away from life on a ventilator. Because apparently an off-color joke is enough to threaten your he, top medical expert. He was less incensed by nearly being shot in the back of the head. 
Well, you know, some things, Madre, a man just can't let stand. A warrior understands battle. Humor has no place on the battlefield. So with the information they recover from the computers at the crab plant, they can finally start work on a vaccine. But, here's the catch, they're going to need Big Pharma's help. America couldn't possibly fund a war while a pandemic is going on, so the terrorist master plan they figure is to release a virus and force America to deal with healthcare at home instead of waging war abroad. I don't Fat think that's how chance. that works. chance. We'll die first. <laughs> Which just shows me that these terrorists really do not understand the American <laughs> psychology. So, I don't know if I missed it. I know you've, like, talked broadly about it. But, um, so are all the terrorists, like, just from the Middle East? Or are they, like, some from, like, I, like, I... I, I think they're all from the Middle East. Because they talk about, how like, how it's all the people that were too radical for Al-Qaeda. Or, like, Al-Nursa Front. Or any of, like, the Syrians that were too radical. Or everyone that was too terrorist to hang out with the Taliban. They're like, you know, come on. Too hang radical on. for bomb vests and car bombs. <laughs> it's not Gotta enough come. is all I'm saying. Because once you die, the war is done. And then we go through a big shell game of uh, El Mujahid being transported from the ship to a body bag to a helicopter to a different camp to a different ship where he gets a different identity as a second generation Italian guy who's then shipped onto America's shores under a new identity and he promptly kills Galt's uh, guards and escapes in their van. Timeline question. When does this take place? Past? Well, yeah, all the all the villain stuff takes place in the past. Okay, so just all the villain stuff takes place in the past. Right up until the very end, basically. Okay. And uh, he heads to Philadelphia, born and raised, uh, where he meets <laughs> up with his goons in a West Philadelphia stage makeup artist who gives him a fresh new look. <laughs> Which, uh, altogether, this is a very different version of the Fresh Prince, but I do want to see it on the big screen. How? What? I feel like half of these disguises are unnecessary. Like, he could have just showed up to West Philadelphia and gone straight to the... Well, the kicker is that he uses the uh, stage makeup artist to hide the big scar he gave himself. Right. And he, the the uh, I want to bear, point out this is a man from the Middle East. The makeup artist is so talented he apparently turns him into an Irish-looking redhead. How? I, why is all the people he's impersonating like he went from Middle Eastern to Italian to Irish? Yeah, are you, are you not like seeing the chain of events here, Madre? It's pretty clear. Do I have to explain the timeline again? Because I got I I'm, I got a Google AI on the project right now. <laughs> Cut the mind reader on this one. We finally get to the hotel saga conclusion where Galt realizes Amira is lying to him when he's like, I love you. And then she waits a second before saying, Yeah, me too. <laughs> I guess. And then, he's, then he stops and he thinks to himself, Hmm, maybe these terrorists don't want money. Is that even possible? And, you know, his, his boy Toys is out shopping with a rock star in Baghdad right now. That's why he's not around. And uh, they realize that, my God, they've been tricked. What if they're lying to him? Just keep in mind, you hired every terrorist that was too... Uh, <laughs> too radical for the radicals. Yeah, so you thought these guys would be the money guys. Well, yeah. I mean, if they're not, who would be? Come on. I, mean, I just kind of assumed. I, th <laughs> I thought everyone liked money. I like money. And now we finally get down to the point where everyone knows what's happening. Everyone's caught up. Everyone knows 
even, everything. Even with the perfect surveillance that they had where everybody was bugged, they didn't know what was going on. The DMS knows it's a plan by Big Pharma, Galt's company, to like force the government to put out contracts that are going to be worth a lot of money to build a cure. El Mujahid realizes Galt has men after him. Amira realizes that Galt knows she was lying to him. And it's jumping around a lot during all these conversations. So I'm trying to keep this as straightforward for you guys to allow you to understand what's happening. Oh, you've done a fantastic job so far. Well, everyone knows what's happening except for the DMS. They're still kind of clueless. And the audience. <laughs> and me. Well, fortunately, Ledger's there to tell us all what needs to happen. So they're trying to figure out, you know, where could this next big terrorist strike happen. And uh, this is where it kind of ties back into that radio from earlier, because uh, he realizes that the uh, Liberty Bell rededication ceremony is going to be happening on 4th of July. And he's got a feeling something might be going on there. That's the most American thing for terrorists to crash. <laughs> I'm sorry, the Liberty, what was that? What The Liberty... Bell. Now, what were the terrorists' last words again? Let's just let's just go back a few pages. Lester Bellmaker. I'm not seeing a connection. Madre, hmm. I need an analysis on this one. I'm just trying to think of ways we can make this this moment more patriotic. Well, don't worry, because now we have the British girl showing up with beer in the middle of the night to jump on his dick. <laughs> and uh, he, she, then she starts talking Wait, about... have they interacted at all? They do have brief interactions, and then I think she gets, like, super turned on when he saves her from the zombie horde or something. Is it like a one-night stand deal? There's, like, a whole thing where, like, she's like, you messed up, and he says, actually, I didn't. You messed up. And then she's like, you're right. Wow, what? she has no <laughs> cognitive dissonance at all. <laughs> she also is, like, a former SAS commander or something, and I don't know if they're exactly pushovers so i don't know if that technique is the best way to go about talking to one of them missing was were the parts where he uh, punched her in the throat and oh, like, got her in a oh, headlock the, the, the eye gouge that's that must be what it is so is it described in this one as sloppy too no 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 because they actually don't have sex uh first oh, she starts that, that's for villains she starts talking about her dead baby and then she joined the army Ooh. uh then how during the army she became a hard ass because she just couldn't deal with the fact of losing men or something and she's it's perfectly kind of, self-aware of her own psychology this is like the weirdest call of duty mission i think i've ever seen scripted <laughs> but i'm curious as to how it play out and then she starts crying and asks if ledger wants to have sex and he says no because she's had some beers and that wouldn't be the honorable thing to do hey he's read title nine give him some respect okay yeah he's a very positive feminist i do think damn, damn she, he should have broke it to her like while she had the beer Yet Grace is impressed he's such a gentleman at his actions and is in no way upset at being turned down. And, uh, you know, personally, I think that maybe his ED medication wasn't working or uh, more likely he can only get hard when he has a gun in his hand. <laughs> um, but we have to accept the author's word on this one, I guess. Please, honey, wait until the 4th of July. <laughs> the DMS then decides to send everyone to Philadelphia to interview department heads of people like different cabinet guys that they could like try to find out who the mole is or you know s search for like new agents to recruit because they're still building apparently even though they're actively fighting a shadow war against a secret terror network and uh, the reason the reason they can do all this is because they get like a blank presidential order and then they just start ordering people around 
And uh, they're talking to this one guy. Wait, isn't like, that like illegal? No, no, because the president said it was fine. Oh, yeah, okay. after being bad-mouthed on the phone by <laughs> that guy. Well, you know, maybe that's why <laughs> church respects Ledger so much. You know, church walks into the Oval Office, he eye gouges the president, <laughs> slaps him around a bit, <laughs> lets him know who's boss. <laughs> I'm the president now. And uh, it's revealed here by a former uh, CIA dude that, you know, Ollie, he was the CIA's top assassin and covert operative for years. Never met a guy better at killing people. Kind of a shadowy dude, though. Weird past. Never talked about it. Once again, I'm being beaten with a lampshade. Sure. Yeah. So uh, we have now inserted fully Keanu Reeves as John Wick into this universe. Which one was Ollie? He's a Scarface, the one, the one that was headshotting zombies while running at a full run, and then he's like, you know, guys, I used to do things for the government. Maybe yeah. I can't be trusted, in case you were wondering. Nah, it can't be him. can't be him. Yeah. yeah I'd also like to point out that the other guy who went missing during this was uh, old chipper Skip, who, you know, just a happy-go-lucky new Navy guy, and uh, he... Uh, doesn't have an explanation for what happened, just that he got knocked out, and then he woke up in a room alone. <laughs> he also disassociates. <laughs> Maybe that's the secret for getting on with this group. What's he disassociating with? The plot? <laughs> no, that's me as I read this thing. <laughs> and uh, then they're like, oh, we flop again to El Mujahid, and him and his henchmen take the quote-unquote antidote that they mailed to America. And, Wait, uh, they just mailed it? Wow. Yeah. So... He went through all this just to get into America, changed identity and disguise like three times, and then he just mailed this shit international. <laughs> and it actually came where it needed to be? Oh, yeah, the uh, the super antidote for the zombie virus. And like he's talking with like his top lieutenant, and he's like, what about your woman? And uh, he goes, ah, she's a woman. We all make sacrifices. Not enough antidote for all of us. Based. And it was at this point that I realized, maybe these terrorists have a point. They can't all be bad. <laughs> But uh, it, we have to highlight the fact that these terrorists are bad, apparently. Not enough antidote. Bro, double Bill Gates Bond villain is your boss. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, the antidote, there's like, you know, there's stuff. And the, the shipping cost alone would be astronomical. You went <laughs> through a disguise and identity change three times to get here. Well, back at the lab, Madre, they couldn't send out more because Galt and his highly trained team of South African mercenaries are busy raiding the desert lab. Oh yeah, also uh, so the uh, the billionaire what? decides to lead the raid himself as well. So wait, is he raiding one of his own facilities Yeah, because he, re he realizes that the terrorists are just going to release a zombie virus and kill everyone, which isn't what he wanted. He just wanted to hold the world hostage for money. A reasonable thing. But uh, theoretically, wouldn't he just, couldn't he just like Tell someone? No, because then they know he was involved, Fletcher. So he has to take care of it himself as quietly as possible. But he's like a billionaire. Yes. Also, why do the terrorists give a shit about the antidote for the most part? It seems like they don't really care. Oh, because they're going to live through the zombie apocalypse. In a way. And just uh, going in blind, your thoughts on the antidote. What do you guys think it is? Gatorade. A good guess. Well, let's see. What is what is the most American thing? It would have to. It's like a cheeseburger or some shit. <laughs> Hold on to those thoughts because, unfortunately, we have to get into the DMS goons doing secret service work for the first lady as the Liberty Bell dedication speech begins. Yes, yes, America, America, rah rah rah. Liberty. And uh, then, like, so, like, Ledger's there. He's in like a black suit. He's looking around, and there's like this weird, tall, Irish-looking guy covered in makeup. Uh, who's grinning like a madman, and apparently no one else notices the dude uh, who's just uh, staring off into space, like laughing to himself. So uh, they try to go grab him, and as they do so, the First Lady mentions the Liberty Bell creator, Thomas 
Lester. Ooh. The pieces are coming together. Yeah, and then it's revealed that the last descendant of that bell maker is there, since she made the new Freedom Bell or, or, or something. And we, as the reader, know that this is the same chick who's the girlfriend of El Mujahid's goon, the girl that they didn't have enough antidote for that they were laughing about. Yeah, so she's involved, and she made the new Liberty Bell. And uh, then, you know, that girl pulls out a shiv and stabs the First Lady right as O'Brien slash El Mujahid, spoiler, pulls out a detonator, and then the new Liberty Bell explodes, sending waves of infected material and, like, little surrettes flying into the crowd of congressmen and people that are there, like, foreign dignitaries. How did, how did she stab the First Lady? Weren't they there to, like, protect uh, were, her? Uh, she got up next to her to have part of the speech. Uh, but before she could finish the job, Joe Ledger flies in from the sidelines and tackles the First Lady to safety. Well, the, the proximity what? of who's standing here. So Secret Service must be in yeah, another zip the, code. Where are the Secret Service during this? They are all busy getting clowned on by a 50-pound woman and a guy in red hair makeup and white face paint, which I can only assume kind of looks like the makeup from uh, the movie White Chicks. So does this mean that he's doing white face? You know, I guess in a way he is, which makes him not only a terrorist, but a racist. And that's really <laughs> the most unforgiv- unforgivable thing he's done in this whole book, isn't it, Fletcher? I so, think so. So why do we need a new Liberty Bell? The old one was busted, I guess. It's I mean, that is the, that is the point, it. isn't it? It's time for a patch. Look, new is better. I'm, it I'm is not a, It's disgusting. a relic. Look, so? this book is already 137 chapters long. <laughs> Do you want another chapter about the Appropriations <laughs> Committee dealing with this? Because Mr. Mayberry is more than willing to give it to us. No, no, no. Now we cut back to the bunker with toys and calls. Oh, my God. And I am actually summarizing and removing some of the cuts here for you guys to keep this as straight as possible again. This is yeah, not even... As straight as possible. This is not even as near, nearly as bad as it is reading. This is as straight as possible? Well, I'm... Uh, it's funny that you bring up the straightest possible wonder because this is the scene where Toys looks into Galt's eyes very homoerotically and says that we're brothers, Sebastian, you and I. Please and I'll don't always say that. love you. Wait, no. like but actual brothers? In this, you've put me in danger, and I can't abide that. No, it's. There's like this weird, like, bromance thing between them, but they basically find Amira inside <laughs> the super zombie. Uh, she's like a super zombie now because uh, their cure, as it turns out, is uh, just the latest generation, which leaves you a smart zombie. And then she starts like doing a sexy Fortnite okay. dance and grabbing her boobs. <laughs> so your orange justices. Your T virus prediction turned out to be pretty on board. Or is this no? That's the G virus. Which now. one? Which one's the virus? Are you talking which virus are you making reference to? Well, no. You see, because it starts out with a regular zombie virus, and yeah. then the person behind it gets their super special tailored zombie virus that makes them smart. Sweet, that would make her Albert Wesker. Yeah, she's yeah the- and like you know, I get like. I don't like the fact that morbid curiosity in this case is a sexual orientation because uh, oh. she is going at it for like a full page. And then like what, uh, dancing? she just like kind of lights Galt up and tells him like, you know, he was a simp and, you know, like, <laughs> she doesn't like him. And she never liked him. And she was he was gross. He's ugly. And uh, then she's like, yeah, most of my people are a horde now, by the way. I infected my own men because we didn't have enough antidote for everyone. But we're going to those of us that do. We're going to live in the future as cool zombies, and that's our plan. So does she she turn them into intelligent zombies, or are they non-intelligent zombies? Some of them are intelligent zombies. Most of them are just a horde. What? 
Yeah, and uh, then there's like a Benny Hill style chase back at the Liberty Bell Center where O'Brien, aka El Mujahid, is chasing the first lady, and then Ollie is chasing him, She's and then Joe Ledger, Joe Ledger is chasing him, and then as Joe Ledger is running out, uh, he yells at Skip to grab help and follow. So there's like a Scooby Doo style hey, run going on. Uh, of course, he asks Skip, but also. How is the first lady outrunning any of these people? She's been stabbed. Like, even in a car. You know, maybe she just does a lot of cardio. Is she bleeding out? Yeah. And she's running? Yeah. Why doesn't Ledger carry her? Oh, because Ledger's not there with her anymore. Yeah, Ledger's behind O'Brien. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, right. That's <laughs> no, right. They're the, in the okay, so in just the timeline, I guess we need, like, a little chase diagram here yeah, to keep everything like, straight. Uh, and uh, while he's doing that, Grace decides she has to quarantine the center, and then she actually does all of the fighting of the like keeping the remaining Congress people alive, and like the vice president's wife, uh, who tries to stop Grace Cortland because she's like, "Oh no, these are still people. They're just sick." Is like this person, and at this point, this version of the zombie virus it mutates you in a matter of like seconds. So they're like getting infected and getting up and just like they're gray skinned, they're drooling, their eyes are rolling back of their head, they're actively taking chomps out of their nearest person. Like World War Z? Yeah, and the vice president's wife is just like, No, what are you doing? You can't stop them. No, they need medical attention. Mm. Padre, give me my medical attention. AKA my gun. Yeah. <laughs> my my gun's medical and attention. <laughs> Well, we have a little bit of the chase going on, and we finally get to the offices above the Liberty Bell Center, and I googled this place to figure out like what the fuck it even looked like, and it looks like a standard office building. So as set pieces go, not very exciting. Um, and then we have Ledger, and he saves the first lady from a pair of zombies, because they're all running around this place at this point, too. And then like Skip and uh, Sims, like Ledger's yes-man black sergeant guy show up. And then immediately after that, Ollie and O'Brien both rush into the room. O'Brien being the the name that El Mujahid is using at this point, and we all immediately know, like we as the reader know that. But in text, it still refers to him as O'Brien. I guess until he rips his Scooby Doo mask off and says his name. So wait a second. He specifically he wanted to look like Irish, and he named himself like the most Irish sounding name ever. Yeah, oh, wait. me, I'm O'Brien. Yeah, I guess that he didn't have time to show us his flask of whiskey to prove the card-carrying member. <laughs> so he's an Irish face. Madre, as a as a man of Irish descent, how offended are you at this? Well, you know, as long as he's not Protestant. <laughs> that's, that's the important part, I guess. But uh, Ollie and O'Brien slash El Mujahid rush in, and El Mujahid shoots Ollie. Uh, then El Mujahid gets shot by Ledger, and then Skip, haha, reveals, I bet you guys didn't guess it yet, that... He's evil, and he Called was the mole it. all along. Oh, but the best part is he casually just mentions the fact that, yeah, the, the guy that Ledger throat punched way back at the start of this whole thing, he also was a mole. <laughs> so you don't have to feel too bad about knocking out a potential member of your team. He was evil. And, like, as he's holding his gun out, he just becomes extra Texan, like, in the audiobook, where his draw just gets ex- extended, I guess, to show he's evil now. And uh, if you're wondering if I've embraced the teachings of the Prophet Mohammed, then no. I've pretty much embraced ten million dollars in my offshore account. <laughs> oh man, they should have. They should have went for it. They should have went for the Texan Muslim. I think that would have been a real curve. <laughs> well, then he starts using racial slurs. Oh well. <laughs> Again, is, showing us racism is the true evil of this. It's not exactly the path less traveled. Is the money haram then? You know, possibly. I'm not too familiar with the Islamic text on that, but I do know that. The only thing that Skip apparently wants is revenge for getting beat up way back when, 
which I personally actually understand this motivation. Get real. I know I can't take you in a fair fight. Why do you think I'm not fighting fair, asshole? And he's just like holding him at gunpoint, walking he around. Does have a point. <laughs> and then El Mujahid gets back up. And at this point, it's revealed that he also is one of the smart zombies because of the antidote. Uh, and uh, he wants to fight Ledger in hand to hand combat. And Skip's just like laughing and watching while he's like holding the gun to the first lady's head, which I don't know even know why he's doing this at this point. Yeah, so I, I've been meaning to ask their big reveal plan was to bomb like senators and the first lady, mm-hmm. not the president. Turn them all into zombies, yeah. The, the first lady who has like, I, I don't know how negative to sway, vestigial power. I guess the whole thing was to not cause any real damage to America, but to make it like really scary. So there'd be a big public push for getting the vaccine out and everyone would be like, Galt could uh, roll up and get lots of money. But see, I thought this was the terrorists part of the plan. The terrorists took the original plan and I guess they amped it up a bit by cranking out more zombies or something. But they agree. So they stayed the course with the less damage push for vaccine target look this was already set up we did a lot of prep work for this we're not canceling it yet well maybe the antidote turns you into super zombies well kind of because it's revealed here that el mujahid doesn't feel any pain and he's just kind of laughing as martial arts expert uh joe ledger does like roundhouse kicks and karate chops to him does he kick him in the nuts you know, he doesn't use the dirty fighting techniques here, actually. <laughs> he's not that desperate. At this, at this point, he uses honorable fighting. But uh, he's like he's like landing all like these sick punches, and El Mujahid's just like laughing, like, ha-ha, do you know I'm de- like half dead now? I can't feel pain. And then uh, Top Sims, he like tackles Skip off screen and starts fighting with him there. And that sounds pretty interesting, right? Don't worry about it. We're going to cut away here. Uh, oh so is that, is that the only fight that could actually go anywhere? <laughs> as that fight is going on, we go back to the uh, the bunker in the Middle East where Gulp oh. has... Well, all of his team's dead, by the way, because uh, Ami Ra just like, tosses him like the severed head of his South African kill squad. But how is he alive? He's just a billionaire. He's got a pistol. He's uh, running through the tunnels, running from everyone. And there's like apparently a whole geothermal system underneath this thing powering it. And then... Uh, Amira is following him down there, and she's being, like, extra creepy, where she's, like, calling out from the uh, shadows, like, Sebastian, ooh, I'm a zombie, I'm gonna eat you. Taking to the role fairly well. (laughs) Yeah, she seemed to embrace being a zombie really fast. Uh, And unfortunately for him, Toys is also down there. They all meet up at the big chamber magma room, because apparently there's a big lever that uh, Sebastian Galt is going to pull and allow magma to flow in and flood the secret base and kill everyone. And then, you know, once Amira sees him next to the big lever that says destroy base, I guess she realizes that she probably shouldn't have fucked around so much. And she's uh, just saying, stop, I'll make you one of us. We can be together, yada, yada, yada. And then Galt gives to what's my favorite line from the whole book which is, uh, I'm a bleeding heartless bastard, but I'm not a monster. Am I a monster, Sebastian? And this is where Toys cuts in. Yes, you effing well are. And then those two fight right as Galt pulls the lever, and then we cut away again. Does this make Galt a good guy, then? Yeah, because apparently he's willing to self-sacrifice to stop this after willing to put the whole world in peril for money. I just want to point out that Sometime before the events of the terrorists, like, having their plan come to fruition, all their leadership has killed itself. <laughs> so they, they were never actually going to win. Ah, uh, 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 O'Brien's alive. 
Well, they were going to release the Horde Madre, and the Horde was going to travel across the desert and then kill everyone. All right, but most of their smart zombie leadership... You know, you're being a real negative Nancy about Do this whole thing. When water? you joined this terrorist organization, you said you'd be okay with some regime changes. Don't worry, because we cut back and uh, Ledger kills El Mujahid, who I would like to. I don't think I've highlighted this fact. El Mujahid is six foot five and two hundred fifty pounds of pure combat muscle, who is a veteran of like ten years of terrorist campaigns across the globe. You know what the problem is, though, Spencer. What? He ain't no Baltimore cop. Yeah, he's not, because this is where Joe Ledger fights dirty, and he breaks <laughs> off one of the, you know, those, those paper cutters. He yeah. snaps the blade off and swings it like a sword, <laughs> decapitating uh, El Mujahid. Those aren't that sh- sharp. That you just Ledger gotta must be a fucking <laughs> manimal. Ledger's actually been like sharpening this on like a whetstone, just waiting for this moment. And then, uh, <laughs> like it. Sims wanders back out, and then, like you see Skip coming in. He's got a bunch of like pencils and pens and scissors like stuffed into his kidneys. <laughs> he just like falls down. To- yeah, their fight off screen was apparently fucking brutal, and we only see the aftermath. So, so the guy who can't feel pain dies basically without a scratch <laughs> on him, nothing sticking out of him. The guy who can feel pain is a fucking pincushion. Yeah, that's the Baltimore way. Oh, uh, did I forget to mention this is an artist office, which is why there's all the supplies around. Whatever, I'll buy anything at this point. <laughs> well, oh, would you like to buy these pencils? You know, then they go through in the DMS. They find Skip's link in the government. Uh, then they torture that link and figure out that John, no, sorry, Sebastian Galt, the the thin veneer of the difference between the two is gone for me. Sebastian Galt has done all this, and then they find out that he's missing. And they're like, oh, I guess there's nothing more we can do. The president hushes up the Liberty Bell Center massacre. Uh, 90 dead, 14 of which are congressmen. One of one of the victims was his his wife. Oh, his wife's fine. Don't worry, they save her. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but she was still part of the attack. She's she's good, though, because what happens is they say there was a gas attack. It's a hallucinogenics combined with the panic of the crowd. People thought they saw all sorts of things, but there's no such thing as zombies. What is Doctor Who during, doing during all this? He's in a lab. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, if you thought he was his science brain was going to be important. I, at this point, I'd like to point out, that Fletcher, that the terrorists are dead basically by their own hand. And the only one that Ledger killed was the one that, like, ran straight into his open <laughs> arms. If they just hadn't done that nonsense, they could have just spread the virus around, like, New York or something. Yeah, but that would have been cool. It wouldn't have been as flashy, I guess. And finally, Grace Cortland and Joe Ledger have sex and lots of beer. Light beer, I'd like to mention. Wait, do they have sex before they have the beer? I don't think so, actually, based on how the scene is written. So that's got to be uncomfortable, to say the least. A couple of cores sitting in there. But, you know, like most sex scenes in this book, I guess it's sloppy and painful. Ah, yes. It's true lovemaking was meant to be. So the ending stinger here is there's like a burned man on a wheelchair no. on a boat who had, who had drug himself to the desert before he was found. And no. at first, no. you know, he's at the point where the magma was flooding through. I'm like, maybe it's somebody else. And then another slightly less burned man steps up right next to him no. and says, it's okay, Sebastian. And the wheelchair guy just moans, Amira. <laughs> what? So that's how the book ends. That's the, the final like cliffhanger there. So, for any fans oh of Tom Clancy, I actually do kind of have to recommend this book. It's super painful early on. But once the zombie shit starts happening, 
it's not the worst thing ever written. It's got like some pretty decent action scenes and like the characters are archetypes, but they're used effectively, I guess. They don't do like the Ryan Johnson subversion thing. I mean, what are your true two opinions based on just what you know about it now? I think it's just dumb fun, but like you said earlier, I think you have to turn your brain off to really enjoy it. Because like half half of that time, I was just trying to keep the timeline straight, and that was kind of a mistake because it, you just can't. Yeah, honestly, that's the biggest weakness to me is the massive amounts of cuts, and apparently it gets better on in later versions of uh, the books, like two or three or whatever. They clean it up a bit, but it feels like if it had just gone through like one more edit, it might have been a lot better like i'm gonna gonna give it honestly like a six out of ten i've read some real pieces of crap and so it on your scale is like five average then or yeah five's average this is this is like just above average um it actually is written very competently and there's not too much you can say besides the actual plot being something of like a james bond filler and to be fair you know for being like military fiction they didn't really like Tom Clancy will like lean way into it. It sounded like he really likes American stuff, but it. Yeah, that's a good point too. It doesn't get to, like for the average layman, you can figure out what's happening even if you're not like super into that thing. So overall, not a terrible book. And hey, thank you for listening. If you would like to uh, help support the podcast, you can find our Patreon. Uh, Remedial Lit. Send us an email, remediallit at gmail.com. And thanks for listening.